Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Lord of All. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, man, uh, my wife and I, number one, first off, before I even say anything uh, else, uh, we want to say thank you so much. Uh, you have been so gracious. I've been a pastor, it's going to be 14 years in October, and uh, we have never received a welcome like that. Thank you so much. Um, we are grateful and happy to be here and so we are going to continue uh, in ministry. So thank you for uh, the messages, uh, the greetings, the awesome food last week. Um, please forgive me. Um, <clears throat> I know I, I met all of you last week, and I'm trying to remember a name. Sometimes it takes me a couple of times. So bear with me, uh, but, but I, I'm learning. So thank you so much for reaching out, and um, let us continue. Uh, one other thing as well, just I don't want I hate uh, making these kind of statements at the end. Uh, next week, uh, unfortunately, prior to uh, me accepting a call and everything, I needed to get some uh, uh, training done beforehand, and it was already kind of a, I thought I didn't have to do it, but then I have to do it. So uh, next week, I'm not going to be here, most likely, so Bill has been gracious enough to take up the mantle for next week, and he'll continue in our series in the Book of Romans. I love Romans. I'm sad that I have to begin towards the halfway slash end mark because there's so much richness. Romans is one of my one of my favorite books. Uh, top five, maybe top three squeaks in there, um, but it's extremely important that we have to know uh, what a lot of the the good truths and uh, lessons that we can apply in our lives in Romans. So. Uh, let's begin, though, and to start off, let's start with a word of prayer. God, as we now uh, pause for a moment, we want to uh, ask you to please come be with us as we now look at uh, the book of Romans. Be with us, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, today, uh, Romans 10 and 11, uh, this is really one of the big crux pieces of the book of Romans, and really to understand it, you have to look at it from Romans 9, 10, and 11. And I know uh, we we kind of went back to Romans chapter 9 last week, talks about Israel, their place in history, and yet also their unbelief. You know, the last probably six months, I've been reading um, books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. And this is one thing that I have learned is... Uh, Israel can be faithful for a while, or Judah can be faithful for a while, and especially their kings, but eventually some, at some point they slip up. Even their kings. As I, as I was going through Chronicles, I realized, man, most of these kings, some of them started out good, but majority of the kings, if not, uh, yeah, majority of them, either if they didn't start out good, they ended up uh, on a bad note towards the end of their life. Very few kings were faithful from the beginning to the end. Now, what I'm also reminded, though, as well, is that by, by God's grace as well, he is a gracious God. We're not perfect people, okay? 
So I don't claim to be one. I am the first. I will be the first to admit my faults. All right? Um, but it, it's here that Paul starts, and he talks about his unbelief, and it goes into uh, to chapter 10. In chapter 10, Paul is very concerned for his people. In fact, uh, at one point, I think it's in uh, chapter 9, that he would be willing to be considered cursed if all of Israel okay, uh, would, would, would write themselves to be right and to be saved. So as they continue, Paul notes his, uh, his concern. And yet we find that uh, in Romans 10, 1 through 4, it points out in verse 4 that Christ is the end of the law. So today we're going to do a lot of reading, okay? And we got to read the scriptures in order to understand. It's good to read the scripture, right? Man. And, uh, I, you know, look, if you... Uh, some people complain, if you got your phone and your tablet, please, let's use that for Jesus, all right? I know it's easy to look up the Snapchat, the, the Gram, maybe the Facebook, but I want to use these things for God's purpose. And so let's, uh, let's look at it. If you got your Bible app, um, I generally uh, preach from the NIV. It's not because it's the best or whatever. It's just easiest as far as for understanding. Uh, when, I, when I study and when I prepare, I actually look at other versions just to be able to have a different perspective and understanding, okay? But I also, as much as possible, I try to also look up the Greek uh, as well so I can go to the basics, the, the, tr- the, the basic of basics. But NIV is something that uh, I've been using for years and I'm comfortable with. So whenever we read, generally, that's what I'll be reading with. So Romans 10, 1 through 4, it says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for, Israel, for the Israelites is that they may be what? That they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are what? They are zealous. For God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they don't, did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their what? Their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who what? Who believes. There is righteousness for all of those who believe. Does this sound familiar? Okay. Now, if we go back to the chapter 4 of Romans, it talks about Abraham. In his faith, it was credited as what? As righteousness. All right? So there's a theme of this righteousness. We don't, we don't attain righteousness because of what we do, but it's because of who we believe in. And unfortunately, the struggle for Israel for so many years has been a belief in who they are, not in who they believe in. And it's here that it says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And so Israel for many years had thought it was because I am part of Israel. I am part of God's elect. But the fact of the matter, their election is based on God's grace, not because of who they are, but who they've been saved by. Israel forgot that Christ was interested not just in them, 
But in all of the world, Christ is the Lord and God of all. And so Israel pursues God, not necessarily by faith, but what they also want to try to do, okay? It's based on works. And so Christ is the end of possibilities. And this is one of the most um, uh, challenging statements that Paul writes in the book of Romans. When we, look, when we think of the word end, and in the Greek it's called telos, end, it could mean a, a termination, a, a goal, purpose, Yet, some others may write, and it's righteousness for everyone who believes. Paul could also mean that Christ is the end of the law. It could also uh, be some function of law or misunderstanding of law that comes to the end. At the end of the day, Christ is the solution, the salvation. Christ's righteousness for our, versus our own attempts in the law. Who is going to stand longer, ourselves or is Christ? Christ. We are saved by Christ and because of it, his blood. Because of him, are we even considered his blood is our righteousness, that we could ever be considered righteous. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, as we found in Romans, all have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory of God. It isn't anything that we do other than who we believe in. Okay? So, as we're going forward... We find Israel in righteousness uh, in chapter uh, verses 5 through 21. Over 10 verses, Paul is quoting the Old Testament. Anywhere from uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Joel, uh, mostly Isaiah, Deuteronomy, and Joel, and a little bit of Leviticus. Half of chapter 10, basically, is a reminder of where they have come from, but also the righteousness that is pointing as well to God and pointing to Christ, not of themselves. And we find in verses 9 through 13, let's continue. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified Oh, so just because I come to Sabbath school and church every week, does that mean I'm saved? No, we are justified by Christ because of who we believe. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, okay, alluding to Isaiah, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, a little bit of a backstory, just as a reminder as well. Romans, the book of Romans is written to the Jews and the Gentiles. It's a Christian church and the Jews had a head start. But all of a sudden we remember, look, Christ's salvation is for all. And so all of these Jewish believers, not, 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 sorry, non-Jewish believers, also known as Gentiles, come into the church. And when you have two groups that come together, sometimes they mesh and sometimes we have some disagreements every once in a while. Maybe some misunderstandings and just we downright just we conflict. And it starts... Paul addresses this from the very beginning. It's funny because in verse, uh, he has his little preamble in the beginning, verse 16 verses-ish. And then all of a sudden, 
he hits the Gentiles. And all of the Jews, if they had popcorn back then, would probably be eating. Yes, you tell them, Paul. You tell them. You tell them how they're wrong. Right? But then, verse 12. I mean, man, I can't think today. Verse chapter 2. He turns it over to Israel, the Jews. And then puts, shares a whole long laundry list of everything as well that they need to recognize that they're in the wrong. And so you have this, these two groups who are fighting, okay? And at the point of this is he's trying to point out that, look, you are a church. You're supposed to be one. A church is like a family. Now, how many of you have siblings? Okay, I'm the oldest of four. All right? And uh, most of my siblings, <clears throat> actually, I'm, this is being recorded, right? I better be careful. Uh, most of the time, I agree with my siblings. Some of them, though, I'm not going to name who, uh, love to, uh, growing up, actually, we, I, believe me, I actually have a very healthy, I think, uh, a very good relationship with my siblings. Now that we're older, we have some life experience and some maturity. Um, some of them have kids. Uh, we realize, look, we got to love each other. And uh, we may disagree and we may fight like cats and dogs still to this day. Um, I love my family. But we sometimes have had our disagreements over the years. Uh, and even my parents. I love my parents. But I've had some disagreements perhaps with my parents as well over the years. Does that mean that we have to give up our family? No. We work together as one. And we have to understand that maybe they make some different choices in life that maybe I don't agree in or they think differently than I do. But at the end of the day, I still will fight for my brother and my sisters. I will still fight for my mom and my dad. Okay? Now, they come together and they realize that God's message is for all. And yet, as we continue on, okay, in Romans 10, uh, sorry, Romans 11 now, the first uh, uh, 10 verses, Paul points out that, look, I have not given up on you, Israel, okay? Even though I've shared this long list, long laundry list of uh, things that you have done wrong, okay? I have not given up on you. So let's continue as we read. I ask then, did God reject his people? And he emphatically says, by no means. By no means. God doesn't just give up. Just because we know, look, we may reject God doesn't mean that God gives up. I love the fact that God still pursues us even in our unbelief. I, now, Paul, he, state, he states his credentials. I'm an Israelite myself. I'm a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Sorry, I have, wait, where am I? This is news to me. <laughs> so, okay. So, believe and share the message of Christ, okay? Uh, and then now, God has not given up on Israel. I asked then, okay, 
uh, don't you know what scripture says at the passage of Elijah? So he goes to Elijah. And when Elijah has been running from uh, Queen Jezebel and he thinks that his, his life is on the line and he, he's basically, oh, woe is me. It's just me and only me. God points out, okay, he says, You've, they've killed your prophets, torn down your altars, and they're trying to kill me. But God says to him, I have reserved for myself how many people? 7,000 who have not bound, bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it can't be based on what? Works. If it were, grace wouldn't be what? It wouldn't be grace. Okay? Because grace is a gift. It's something that is given You can't work for it. Otherwise, it's not grace. It's a payment. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they didn't attain throughout their futility and the many lives of trying to do do it on their own. It was all futile. Mm. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened as it was written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. In fact, David says in verse 9, may their table become a snare and a trap to, and a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. So just as a reminder, okay, God does not give up on God's people. And yet in verse 5, <coughs> there is a remnant chosen. Okay, sounds kind of familiar, especially if you're an Adventist, right? Okay, now as an Adventist, we consider ourselves a remnant. And what's a remnant? A portion, a small portion, maybe left over, whatnot, but a remnant left over. Israel thought they were part of a remnant due to their inheritance by who they were born by. Okay, yet that is not the case. They are not saved by because of who they are, but again, because of who has saved them. So we then switch forward as well. As we continue verses 11 through 16, God's plan and Paul's ministry. Both Jew and Gentile. So Paul now then shares an illustration of how the Jews and the Gentiles can come together. And it's a picture of an olive tree. And let's, let's, let's continue to read. Verse 17. If some of the branches had been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Okay, uh, let's just think of the olive tree, God, and as well there's branches sticking out, right? You've got a tree has branches, right? Sometimes there's some fruit out there. And let's just say some of these branches are the Israelites. And yet some of the branches have fallen off. Some of the Israelites perhaps have chosen to walk away or choose to reject God. But God then brings the illustration forward in that, well, I can still take other wild olive shoots, also known as the Gentiles, and still graft them, bring them together, and still bring them to be part of the tree. (coughs) You know, I went to uh, the store about a year ago, and I discovered there's this really awesome fruit. It's called a pluot. 
That's a plum and a apricot. And together, they are combined. It is this awesome, delicious piece of heaven that you can consume. It's so good. So good. And, you know, who would have ever thought you could bring a plum and an apricot tree together? But it's possible. And so, much like as well, God is able, he's bringing this illustration of an olive tree where he, God, is a foundation. To have a strong foundation, you have to be rooted in the ground and the branches, the extensions, okay? Israel, the Israelites are extensions of the tree who are supposed to go out. And if if they had fulfilled their job, they would have shared and been the example of who God was and for God's people to be able to reside on this earth. But ultimately, they ended up through unbelief and rejection and Finally, God says, enough. But we still have to remember that God's plan is not just for the Israelites. It is for all. And he gives this illustration of wild olive shoots being able to be combined to the original tree and being grafted in, being strengthened in God giving that nourishing sap, all the photosynthesis of the sun and everything working together and being one tree. Amen? Okay. So what then? What the people of Israel sought earnestly amongst they did not obtain? The elect among them. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm misreading. Now, going back to my original point as well, some of the Gentiles... They were in Rome. Was that a safe haven for Israel? Not really. They're kind of out of their element. They thought they were on their turf. In fact, they thought, well, the Gentiles maybe were kind of superior. And Paul says, hey, just because I've been hitting the Israelites at this point doesn't mean that you're going to be scot-free, okay? You got to be open to remember that, look, you're being grafted in as well. Don't think that you're superior to anyone, okay? You are just as much a sinner as anybody else. <clears throat> do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches, okay? If you do, consider this. You don't support the root. Does the branch hold the tree up? No, the root does. But the root supports you. You will then say, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. So he's reminding the, the Romans, don't be arrogant, but tremble, for God did not spare the natural branches. He will not spare you either. Okay? All right, I'm running out of time. So uh, just as a, as a reminder, God's mercy extends to all. And we look at this olive tree. Thank you, Bill. You see how beautiful and magnificent that tree is? And it's a very strong base. It's a wide base, and it extends up. You have all these branches. Imagine if we could be that tree. And not only that, we continue as we minister. We go out to the Downey and Pico Rivera, wherever we go. God can still bring in more olive shoots into that tree and make it even bigger and bloom even more and make it look even more awesome. Right? Jesus is the foundation. 
Jesus provides the nutrition, the strength. The Jews and Gentiles come together. They have to be united. And we, we don't hold the tree up. We're just simply the extension of sharing the fruit. Okay? God can take and remove branches if God wants. Okay? But he wants us all to be extensions. As he continues, um, eventually, he comes to the point that there's the doxology. Oh, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable in his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for all things, to him be glory forever and ever. So we've gone through a lot of scripture and we've gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of, got to think about it, all right? But let's, what are some of the takeaways that we can grab from this? Number one, um, our God is a gracious God and full of grace and looks out for God's children. And yet desires that we as well as a church be one. In order as well to be one, we have to have humility. Humility is a key ingredient if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus. As as we look at the book of John, Jesus washed his very own disciples' feet. When he's the master, he's the rabbi. He is the one, if anything, his feet should have been washed. But no, he sets an example for all of us to follow. We have to be humble. And yet as well, we're reminded as well, and sometimes uh, I'm an Adventist, okay? I grew up in this church. Ever since I was a little boy, I'm a third or fourth generation of Kali, right? Our great-grandpa, my great-grandpa was, okay, so I'm basically fourth-generation Adventist. They went to the Philippines, they heard the message and they believed. And when my, my, my dad's family came over here, um, they continued that legacy. But I also know as well that sometimes our church, we're not a perfect church. And sometimes when we feel like we, we have been given a great message to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? amen. And to share and remind people of the advent, the coming of God, the second coming. And when we're told we're given a special message, what sometimes happened? We've been given a special message. We think we're special and we think we're awesome. And we have to be reminded of the fact that we have to have the humility and not make the same mistake that Israel made. Because we are all children of God. Whether we are Jew, whether we are Gentile, whether we're American, we're German, we're South African, we're Japanese, uh, Indian, whatever it may be, we all are part of the tree and we are simply extensions and God can bring in to the fold more extensions, more branches and be grafted into the tree. So may we never forget that it is because of God. It is because of God 
lies in our salvation and our righteousness. And also, the reason of why we are even here. My last point, it's a story told of a father who bought this great trailer. And he decided he wanted to make his tire, uh, his trailer a little more sleek. So he added a few things and he wanted to put bigger tires onto the trailer. So he went out, got new tires, and as he was backing it in, his son was helping him, said, stop, 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 stop. And he's like, why? I'm just going to push it back in. If you push it back in, the top of the trailer is going to hit the garage door. He didn't realize that when he got new tires, it would elevate the trailer. And for several years, he'd been able to just smoothly back in. Now, the tires were too big. And he couldn't put the trailer back into the garage because otherwise it would hit the top of the garage door. And he's fumbling, well, oh man, I just spent several hundred dollars on new tires. And I'm thinking, well, I can't do anything about it and I can't leave it in the open because it was not necessarily the best uh, area to be in. He had to store it somehow. And his son, he's probably about maybe 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, and he says, well, why don't you deflate the tires enough and we can push it back in? Now, Dad is a guy and sometimes doesn't necessarily like to admit when he is wrong and sometimes has a hard time accepting help. Thought about it and he thought, oh, my son is right. He says, okay, son, all right. So they deflated the tires enough to where they could wheel the trailer in, enough to be at least stay overnight and then tomorrow go get a new set of tires that could actually be able to fit the trailer in. But the father reminded of a lesson that he didn't know everything. And sometimes a child, I love children because children tell you the truth. They tell you the truth in a way that is both, it's like you can't fault them for being so honest and yet it cuts you to the heart. I have learned so much from children, especially, you know, I learn from adults when I do Bible studies, but I learn the most with kids because kids tell you the truth and in a way that you can't fault them for being malicious or anything. They're just, they're being honest. They're truthfully being faithfully honest. I love working with kids and that's why I, uh, I've, I've learned a lot from working with them. And so the father, he thought, okay, fine, I'm going to stop. So he heated his pride, he, he, took, he threw his pride out, he undid the air valve, lowered it, and he put it in, and he learned a lesson that sometimes it's good to ask for help. Let's not have so much pride, but let us work together. Now, I don't think that this church is full of pride, believe me. You've been, you've been so kind and, and humble, and, um, and I, I believe that you are truly being genuine, and I'm so grateful, but we have to be reminded we are not perfect. Let us not give in to the thoughts of I, but to the thoughts of God. And may we defer and listen, truly listen to our brothers and sisters. Father in heaven, we thank you for another awesome opportunity to come together to worship and fellowship and share. And now be with us as we go forth. 
This week, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be humble. And be reminded as well of your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.